you want to be free. The first thing you have to think about is what kind of education should we possess? Two words, death. Two words, death, death. Education. Two words, death. Two words, death, death. Education. Death, death, education. This is Andre Mountain, and this is the Deaf Ed Podcast. You are tuned in to Deaf Education, where we focus on public education, social justice, and the arts. Our guests represent a cross-section of America's urban culture, shedding light on the context of authentic learning. And, you know, we have one of my favorite, favorite artists, designers on the line today. We have Rasheem Nurse. What's going on, Rasheem? What's happening, Dre? How you doing, brother? Doing well, man. Good to hear from you. Good to good to connect with you again. You know, it's right. been a long time since Georgia Southern University, right? Man, we're talking about some decades here, brother. <laughs> long time. All right. So tell our listeners who Rasheem Nurse is, who Art Dojo International is. Wow. Um, I mean, to put it really simply... Um, I always just like to say I'm an artist um, and everything that comes with that, you know, uh, it's really an umbrella term for me, this art and just about everything that we do in life, um, even to the the art of BSing, you know what I mean? So there's an art to everything. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And and that's kind of how I look at look at life, man, and try to express myself creatively in any way that I can and, um, you know, spread that. through, through the world, man, through, through uh, sharing, you know? I appreciate that. And who would you say are your influences? Oh, I have to say um, off the top, my greatest influence was my mother. Um, she really kind of helped shape me um, into, into the creative that I am. Um, quick little story. Uh, growing up, you know, uh, we used to go school shopping. Everybody, I'm sure, remembers that. Yeah. Um, from back in the day school shopping was like a major thing and um you know so <laughs> she would take me out uh, we used to go like fordham road jamaica avenue in new york um where i'm originally from and uh you know i would ask my mom like mom what do you, what do you think about this piece or uh what do you think about that and her her response was always i don't have to wear it you do you know and just <laughs> i've heard that before yeah that kind of reaction forced me to really think for myself and and make my own decisions you know and and that really impacted me tremendously and being able to to be an individual you know i was i was making the choices that i wanted to make without an outside influence um so yeah she had been a great inspiration to me in that regard 
So wow, number one, always that's, moms. That's amazing, man. I was reading on one of your social media posts. You were talking about that, that school shopping piece. And yeah, yeah. Man, like that was, that was my thing. That's kind of was like my introduction to, to self-expression. You know, I was always drawn to particular pieces when I would go out and I would see them. Um, so that kind of giving me the freedom to make that choice and not feel bad about it or trying to dissuade me from making a certain choice kind of was, was the spark. So I've seen some beautiful pieces on your site, man. Art Dojo International, man. Trenches and, and just beautiful fabrics, African prints. Yeah. What is what is your creative process? Oh, man. Um, for me, it's really, I, I'll, I'll give you a good little piece. Um, footwear is one of my greatest inspirations. Like, I'm a, I'm a sneakerhead through and through. <laughs> Even before the term was popular, I was mm -hmm. a sneakerhead, you know, from way back. Um, so I found myself like trying to find things that went with my sneakers. So I really found myself in places where I couldn't really get that look that I was going for. Yeah. So I started to create my own things. Like, you know, I, I, before even like people were wearing skinny pants and all that, I was like, yo, I want my sneakers to shine, but my pants <laughs> are too big you know covering my sneaker i was like, i can't have that so i really tried to figure out a way to taper the ankle so that you could tuck your pants into your shoes so you could really see the shoes the, the shoe shine you know absolutely um, so yeah i mean that's kind of how how that comes about in, in the creative process I, i'm really inspired by things around me from the world things i see uh fabrics textures cultures um people i see you know like homeless people sometimes have the greatest fashion inspiration you know what i mean it's just like mm -hmm. unintentional <laughs> you yeah. know um so yeah i draw inspiration from so many different sources there's not just one place so you know one of the things i've seen you post is just being conscious of the people that you have around you and that's that's something that i've always been told is that you know you're only going to be as successful as the five people who are closest to you yes so sir how has that that philosophy or that mindset helped guide you to the space you're in well <clears throat> excuse me i've always been pretty blessed and drawing really good energy um and having good people around me um, and so, I don't know, it's just kind of one of those things where, um, having uh, a good support, um, has been tremendous and just keeping me grounded, um, leading me to new avenues of inspiration. Um, it's just kind of just living a life of positive energy it, it has been what's been the, the, the major factor. Um, and that's kind of just been from being who I am, being myself, yeah. loving, loving people, putting out positive energy. Um, and I've been blessed enough to, to draw that back, you know, and tenfold, tenfold. Um, I've always been able to look at um, certain negative things that happen around me, uh, whether it be in family or otherwise, and have been able to know that that's not something I want for myself. Yeah. Um, so it's a conscious choice to, uh, you know, keep only positive energy around me um, when I make moves. Well, you know, that they say like energy draws like energy. Absolutely. 
there's there's no no question about it. I mean, I've, I've seen it um, personally. You know, people who are always um, playing that victim card and carrying that negative energy kind of help perpetuate that um, just by their words, their thoughts, and their actions. So it's like I've, I've heard people say, you know, be careful of the thought seeds you plant in your mind because one mm -hmm. day they will grow. And um, this is pure fact. Um, your mind is a powerful tool. And, um, you know, if you allow those negative seeds to be planted, then it absolutely will grow into something um, that, you know, is not beneficial to you. So who are some of the people that have either worn your designs that our listeners might know or connected with you about your art? Um, well, I, I have to say one of the probably most notable and uh, most incredible people that have been a supporter of me is Erica Badu. Gotcha. Um, she reached out very early on um, when I really my like one of my first pieces that I made public. She um, reached out to to get one of the pieces and I was completely floored, man. Um, <laughs> it was an imagine. honor. It was an honor to to have her support. Um, and she's been there since day one. And she's still, you know, and to this day, it's kind of like a, a friend now, you know. And uh, yeah, I have to say that's, that's probably one of the biggest people everybody would know. So what is Art Dojo International? Um, Art Dojo is basically my creative space where I share um, things that I love. Uh, when I create, um, it's always from a place of passion. It's always from a feeling. Um, Art Dojo is a feeling, man. Um, and that feeling is, is, is love. And um, I want to share my creativity um, in, in that way because it's something that I'm passionate about and that I love. And so Art Dojo is just an expression of that and a visual expression of that, you know? And so the pieces that are on there, are are they handmade or these are pieces that come in multiple sizes or they're like? Um, usually a lot of it that I've been doing lately, um, the stuff, it, it, it's a gamut. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. I'll do one of one pieces directly from scratch um, sometimes I'll remix a piece uh, sometimes I'll do some graphic design on um, you know t-shirts and things of that nature um, so it, it, it varies um, but I do like to do a lot of hands-on and make things from scratch that's one of my, my greatest things so what inspires you to create is it is it music is it travel is it culture it's a mix of things everything there's inspiration can come from a word. Um, <laughs> seriously, somebody can say something and that could spark an idea. Um, music has, uh, has always been uh, a big um, inspiration in my life. Sometimes a song. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a piece now that was um, inspired by, um, by a song about Harlem. Harlem River Drive. You know, I was, And when I'm working, I'm always listening to music. Mm -hmm. And the song Harlem River Drive came on and that sparked an idea for um, a series of pieces that I'm currently working on that I plan to bring out in the future. Wow. Harlem River Drive. Who, who's yeah. the artist? Um, Bobby Humphrey. Bobby Humphrey. Okay. I'm going to have to check yeah. that out. Yep. So what was your school experience like? Because this is a podcast that 
has listeners who are educators or folks who aspire to become educators, what was your, your experience in school like? It was uh, the best experience of my life. Um, <laughs> That's I, good. Honestly, uh, I have no regrets about uh, getting my education. Being at uh, Georgia Southern um, was the best four years that that I, I spent. Man. I made so many wonderful friends there. Um, I learned so much about myself. I actually grew into the person that I am during that time period. Um, just a quick little story. Um, so how, how I really came into my own. So, you know, when you're a freshman and you're starting out, um, you know, you're nervous and, 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 and you feel uh, kind of like you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what's going on. Everything's so new. So you roll in packs, you know, you roll in groups because there's, there's more comfort in that, you know? Yeah. So uh, we, our friends used to roll with like five, five to 10 deep, like all the time. It was like a mission to go from one place to another because you had to coordinate. Everybody had to go together. Um, you know, everybody moved as a unit and um, we all used to eat together. So one day um, everyone was like, you know, we're going to go to such and such a place to, to grab a burger or whatever. I like to eat. So I was the cat that always used to go to the all you can eat spot. I'm like, hey, look, I'm hungry. That burger's not going to cut it. So everybody's like, well, we're going to the burger spot. I said, well, you know what? I'll catch up with y'all later. I went to the to the hall and got the buffet and I sat and I ate by myself. <laughs> and that was one of the most liberating feelings ever. If you've never like gone out and done something by yourself, you really need to try it. Go to the movies by yourself. Take yourself on a date. Like, I'm serious. It is very, very freeing. When you have no worry about what other people are thinking about you, who's looking at me, people going to think I'm weird, I'm sitting by myself. Like, once you free yourself of the bondage of what other people think about you, that really will allow you to spread your wings. And so that experience, literally that one time, is what set it off. It was like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of what people think. And that was like unlocking the key to freedom, man. It was a beautiful thing. You know, I think the pandemic has forced people to value solitude a little more than they did before, which once right. you think. Oh, absolutely. And, and the thing about it, for me, I've always been comfortable in solitude. So, um, it kind of wasn't really a big change for me um, as I'm, you know, I'm dynamic. I, as much as I am a people person, um, I also am a loner. Um, mm -hmm. So being alone has been fantastic. I love it. <laughs> I really love it. So I, you got to get to know yourself. You know what I mean? Like if you don't know, you better find out. And this is kind of forcing people to do that, which is why I feel like a lot of people are uncomfortable because they've never really been alone or had to be isolated. You know, even sometimes when you're around people, there still can be a feeling of being isolated and alone. Um, but, you know, you have to take the time to, to learn who you are and be comfortable with that. And that's another piece of Art Dojo. And that's what we promote is, is being comfortable with being yourself. Like, yeah, it's a safe space. Like, I want you to find um, a piece that you like and do with it what you will and be comfortable with that. And that's what I want to, we want to promote individuality. So right now we're going to go into a segment of the podcast called it was written. 
And during this segment, we ask our guests to share one or two books that you would recommend to our listeners. Give us the title, the author, and then tell us why you recommend that book. Ah, uh, man. Um, so I have to start with just kind of a couple of things that I've read most recently. Um, I got into uh, Dapper Dan, Made in Harlem. Um, that's a memoir by Daniel R. Day, for people who don't know. Um, he created a lot of the really cool fashion from the 80s, mixing luxury brands with uh, street concepts and hip hop. Um, that was like a, a fast read as I was so enamored with the story um, and just learning about his life because he was always a major figure um, in, in the community growing up. So that's one of the books that I, I really, truly love. Um, and I also recently read um, The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, by, I love that one. Yeah, George Samuel Classen. Um, it's uh, a book of parables, and it really um, helps people to understand a wealth mindset. Um, and, and that is very uh, paramount. And acquiring true wealth is when, when you understand it. Um, so it's can be a little bit of a, a, a tough read to, uh, for some people. Like I said, it's a, it's a story of parables, so it's from way back in the day. But um, I've really enjoyed the concepts in the book, um, and I'm all about mindset. So, yeah. Have you had a chance to visit Dapper Dan's spot up in Harlem? Man, I have never been by there. I've never seen it. I, I've only read about it. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like folklore for me, man. So what are your thoughts about his partnership with Gucci? You know, after everything he's done in the past and now that, you know, there's, there's different opinions on that, right? Yeah. Um, I feel uh, a little, uh, I wasn't excited about it. I'll be completely honest. Yeah. Um, after all the work that he put in um, to just kind of get his recognition now. And I kind of feel like it was a play. Um, just because, you know, he's popular in the culture. Um, now let's, let's use this guy to further our brand in, in, in the community. So I, mm, you know, I, I feel some type of way about it, to be honest. I'm happy for him. He deserves all the success, but I feel like it's a little too, little too late. I should have been, you know, yeah, supporting him from the beginning, seeing what he's doing. You were stealing his designs anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, it yeah. goes two ways. He stole the, the, the logos, um, but he did something so brand new with it. You know, they could have took the opportunity from the beginning to be like, well, you know, we like actually what you're doing. Um, let's figure out a way where we can both, you know, make this a beneficial partnership from the jump. You know, when I think of your work, I think of, of Basquiat, I think of Dapper Dan, because both of those guys created their own lane. And that's really what you're doing. And I think that there's a need for more of that people who can create their own lane. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I always encourage people just be yourself um, and do the things that you are passionate about. I encourage that completely. And in doing so, you know, you'll be amazed at, at what types of things that, that come out and that you create. You know, what I find is, is very disappointing is that in the professional world and in many times in our schools, creativity and individuality is frowned upon and almost right. stifled. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on that? 
Um, I feel like that is a, a big disservice to to individuals coming up, having their their ideas and their individuality um, suppressed. Um, and I feel like a lot of times parents and unfortunately sometimes teachers as well kind of steer children um, away from expressing the things that make them unique um, for the sake of, of uniformity and conforming to what people think is the right thing to do. Um, you know, I just, you know, it's, it's a major disservice, I feel. And I really applaud educators who really promote creativity and out of the box thinking. Um, those are the educators that we need to see more of. You know, oddly enough, it was Erica Badu, one of her videos that led me to research that whole idea of groupthink. Right. You know, right. That, that one video that she did, uh, I think it was called Window Seat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, absolutely. You know, that is real. <laughs> that is absolutely it, real. <laughs> no question about it. I mean, it's easier <laughs> to um, just fall in line. You know, that's it doesn't take a lot of thought or, or anything for you to do that. So it's a real, real thing. So I know you listen to a broad array of music, but we have a segment called the Def Ed Bar and Grill. And we ask our guests to give us a few bars of your favorite hip hop song, something that just resonates with you that you've always loved. Man, you're not about to ask me to rap. <laughs> hey, just, I got it. I got a lot of talents, family. Rapping <laughs> is not one of them, brother. Like, the bars of someone else's rhyme. I know. That, that, that's yeah. what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I do I, not. Nicole says I can't rap. No, okay. man. I, <laughs> rap is, is not my thing. But um, just off, I, I'll give you a couple lines. I ain't going to spend no bars. But um, uh, so one of the things that sticks out to me is, is the new moon rolled high in the crown of the metropolis. Shine it like who on top of this? The new moon rolled high in the crown of the metropolis. Shine it like who on top of this? People with sussling, arguing and bustling. Gangsters of God from hardcore hustling. I'm wrestling with words and ideas. My ears prick. Seeking what was Yo, that, just that <laughs> initial verse sets me off. Like I get hyped when I hear that. Um, and another thing that sticks out in my head. Um, it's just this quick line, but it was so impactful. Uh, Dice Raw, um, he was like, uh, missing in action like Daz in the projects. That hit me so hard that it stays with me to this day. Like, bro, that's so real. So real. Yeah, this is literature. You know, that, that Yasin Bay line, that is absolute literature. Facts. And you know, a lot of universities are starting departments that analyze hip-hop lyrics right you know social commentary and and i think that speaks to the value of the culture but there's also a pressure and a push from the industry side to right. dumb down the music mm. yeah and so we have to make sure that we use spaces like this or even the folks who are lifted up and celebrated are people who are treating the culture with respect absolutely Absolutely. You got to put some respect on it. There's, <laughs> there's no question about it. I mean, we are the, the controllers of, of cool, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to really 
take our rightful place and, and really control what we're putting out and uh, what it says to the world, you know, not allow the machine to uh, dictate what that is. So the period of American history that I love is the Harlem Renaissance. Oh, man. And you know, when you study that era, the photographers, right. the, the authors, right. the musicians, Harlem was the, the central point where everyone of all races would come and get a sense of the style. Right. And, right. and I see that same thing has happened with hip hop culture. Our culture influences the style of everything and the sound of all types of music. Yeah, I mean, you just touched the nerve. Because remember earlier I was stating about the song Harlem River Drive? Yeah. Um, that sent me down a whole rabbit hole of researching the Harlem Renaissance and um, getting inspiration from that. So, like, a couple of ideas sprang from running down that rabbit hole. And the Harlem Renaissance is, is just a beautiful example of our impact on culture. So, what is your biggest failure and uh, or disappointment, and what did you learn from it? Because we all face those things along the way. That's really a tough one to think about. I try not to really uh, consider anything a failure. Um, so, I think for me, the biggest, uh, let's say, hurdle has been just getting out of my own way um not letting myself talk talk myself out of doing certain things that i, I really want to do oh is this good enough um you're always editing and uh so yeah just like kind of really pushing forward and not being my own own roadblock now what's one thing you wish you had known when you started your career your career in in fashion or even your career beyond fashion ah uh, um really i wish i had known that i can do more than than one thing at a time um i wish i had started a little bit earlier and allowing my creative side to be a potential business um it was always like uh go to school get your education and then you could worry about that other stuff later um and so i kind of always felt so much behind my creative journey because i was so driven on and focused on school uh which you should be you know yeah. I, I don't take my education for granted but I feel as though I could have also explored my creative outlets at the same time um, or at least, you know, kind of had more involvement in that piece of it. I found a balance. Um, I was a nerd, dude. Like I was really once I got my first D, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, I'm away at school. My mom's back home and she's really working 12 hour days plus at least six days a week and i'm at school and i got i'm getting bad grades and she's paying for a lot of it i was like nah i gotta get this i gotta get this right so my my wife really kind of uh accuses me of being a person with tunnel vision and so mm -hmm. that kind of took over and i got buckled down i got on those books and it was a wrap from there i was in it so what advice do you have for educators to create spaces in schools that foster that creativity? Um, 
I mean, just one, we have to keep art in school. Like that is so imperative. Um, the, the funding of the art programs being taken away, that that's travesty, man. Like this is part of development, you know? Art is a very crucial part of development. Self-expression is a very crucial part of development. So we need to keep the art classes. We need to keep the band, music class. Those types of activities still need to be a part of a child's day. You can't take that away. It can't just be reading, writing, arithmetic. Like, no, you have to keep some of the creative classes um, in, in the school system. That's very necessary. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one of my things. I think we need to keep promoting um, that in education. Yeah, I think one of the issues in public education is that that defunding of the arts. Yeah, uh, I know for my school, we have a band teacher and we have a string orchestra teacher. But the problem is that teacher is spread amongst four schools. And oh. So the, the question is, how can you really develop a student to play right. an instrument mm -hmm. when you're spread amongst four schools? So you're moving, moving, moving. That's criminal because you don't have really the time to invest in individuals um, and, and seeing their talent. You just it doesn't give you enough time to connect. Um, so that I mean I think that's criminal, man. That's that's really sad that that's what it's come to. Um, if you look back um, when you know art was a big thing in school, and you look at some of the people who are successful in the creative world now, it's because of that. Mm -hmm. You know they were impacted by a certain person. Uh, a teacher, you know, kind of put a spark in them and said, you can do this or you're really good at this. And when a child hears that and they get that encouragement, they just flourish. But how can you do that if you have, you know, multiple schools you're going to and you really don't know the children? That's right. You, know? you don't know the children or the families. Exactly. So I think we've become obsessed with testing in public education. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Everything is, is measured and quantified and some things just aren't you aren't able to measure them all right i agree 100 percent um it can't just all be data um and and in my healthcare side of the world you know um i talk about this with my my colleagues a lot i'm a physical therapist um in a hospital for people who don't know um but um they're always concerned about productivity uh, or how can we get people out faster and they're looking at things on paper. But what you see on paper is not real life all the time. It doesn't give you the complete picture. So your data and, and what you're seeing isn't always what's real um, or, or the, full, the full picture. So that's an issue. Man, I think that's beautiful that you work as a physical therapist in addition to creating this beautiful art space for fashion and and I, I think that that is something that people need to hear more of and see more of, because in both lanes, you're helping people because art can heal and oh, physical therapy does the same thing. Yep, absolutely. Like, um, I like to encourage parents and educators to let people know that you don't have to be in a box. You can do more than one thing. It's OK. You know, you can like more than one thing. Um, so don't limit your, your students, um, or don't limit yourself. Um, if you have an inspiration to do something, just do it. Go out there and try Like when I uh, started painting or designing, I just had something burning in me. It was like, yeah, I need to try this. 
and that's how it all started. It was like, I'm just going to go grab some paints from the store and a canvas, and I'm just going to do it because that's yeah. what I felt, you know. So don't fight those feelings. Um, there's a nice thing called YouTube University. <laughs> Get on YouTube, figure out how to do it, and that's give right. it a shot. And you'll you'll be surprised at some things that you're really good at that you never would have known. So where can our listeners connect with Rashim Nurse and Art Dojo International? Man, um, you can catch me on the gram, uh, Art Dojo International, pretty much across all the media, social media platforms, Art Dojo International. Um, my little website, artdojointernational.com, uh, still a work in progress. But um, I'm more active on Instagram. So if, if you're on Instagram and you follow along, you can kind of keep up with the journey. But um, I'm, I'm really uh, about to, to take off and do some, some big things. So catch me there. Catch me outside. <laughs> so yeah. we, we definitely appreciate you joining us today, man. This has been a wonderful conversation. And uh, we're going to close out with uh, your favorite hip-hop song. Give us a track that we can close out with today. Oh my gosh, my favorite hip hop. See, that's like asking a parent who's their favorite child. Like, <laughs> how are you going to put me in that? One story, of your favorite. You know? One of your favorite. Oh, well, then I'll go with one of, one of the, the uh, lyrics I quoted earlier and Respiration from, um, from the folk most deaf and Talib Kweli, man. That's it. Let's do it, man. Thanks a lot for joining us on Deaf Education, and we will talk to you soon, sir. All right, man. Appreciate you, brother. The new moon rode high in the crown of the metropolis. Shining like who on top of this? People were hustling, arguing and bustling. Gangsters are god thumb, hardcore hustling. I'm wrestling with words and ideas. My ears is prick. Seeking what will transmit. The scribes can apply the transcript. Yo, this ain't no time where the usual is suitable. Tonight alive, let's describe the inscrutable, the indisputable. We New York, the narcotics. Draped in metal and fiber optics. We're mercenaries who paid to trade hot stock tips for profits. Thirsty criminals, dick pockets. Hot knuckles on the second hands of working class watches. Skyscrapers is colossus. The cost of living is preposterous. Stay alive, you pay and die, no options. No Batman and Robin. Can't tell between the cops and the robbers. Partners, they all heartless with no conscience. Back streets stay darkened, while unbelieving hearts stay hardened. My ego talent stay sharpened, like city lights stay throbbing. You either make a way or stay sobbing. The shiny apple is bruised with sweet, and if you choose to eat, you could lose your teeth. Many crews retreat, nightly news repeat. Who got shot down the lockdown? Spotlight the savages, NASDAQ averages. My narrative rose to explain its existence amidst the harbor lights which remain in the distance. So much on my mind that I can't recline. Blast the holes in the night till she bless sunshine. Breathe in. Hail vapors from bright stars to shine. Breathe out. The smoke retrace the skyline. Heard the bass ride out like an ancient maiden call. I can't take it, y'all. I can feel the city breathing. Chest heaving against the Flesh of the evening, stop before it died like the last train leaving. We've been in deep city breaths, sitting on initial steps. We stooped to new lows, hell froze the night the city slept. The beast crept through concrete jungles, communicating with one another and get a word for what is far from the hydrants to the gutters.